The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everybody. Will Brinson is out this week, but all 32 continues. It's me, Ryan Wilson, filling in for old Willie there. Today, we have Stephen Holder of The Athletic. He's going to join us to talk about the Colts. You can follow Stephen at HolderSteven on Twitter. And, uh, Stephen, thanks so much for joining us, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, so last year for the Colts was was a little interesting. Jacoby got hurt, suffered that knee injury, and, and things didn't go quite as well as some people had expected. So they made some moves this offseason. There were some conversations about maybe they, they might get a quarterback, but instead they traded that pick to San Francisco, 13th overall for DeForest Buckner. But they got Phillip Rivers, which I, I think is probably, Phillip feels like for me the best fit for what the Colts can do. You know, we were talking about at some point this offseason, maybe Tom Brady would be that guy. That that clearly didn't happen. So so I want to talk and start with Phillip Rivers. What are your thoughts on, first of all, him coming to, to Indianapolis based on what we saw last year, Andrew Luck retires, Jacoby Brissett struggles with the injury, and what that means for 2020 for this offense? Well, I think we have to start where you just mentioned, which is Andrew Luck's retirement, right? So they went from not thinking about quarterback you know, in the short term to, to quarterback being their primary issue. So I think when you look at it in that context and through that prism, given where they came from and the circumstances, the hands, the, the hand they were dealt, they're in a pretty good spot considering, you know, to be able to kind of get through last year. You had, you know, probably a definitely one of the better backups in the NFL and Jacoby Brissett, you know, a borderline starter based on how he performed, but, you know, was able to at least give him a shot. And then this year, they feel like they've upgraded. Now, Philip Rivers is 38. He isn't the same player he was five or six years ago. I grant everyone that, and I firmly believe that is true. But uh, I do think he gives them what they're looking for. And they're looking for more big plays. They're looking for you know a little more aggressiveness in the offense. Uh, they want to score more points. And Phillip's approach to the game gives them the, the opportunity to do those things. So – for all of those reasons, I think in its totality, looking at everything, uh, this is probably as best as you could expect the Colts to do under the circumstances. I feel like Philip Rivers, in addition to some of the other other moves they made, but Philip Rivers makes his team uh, a legit contender in the AFC South. I don't even know that. I mean, yes, we know about Sean Watson and Houston. We know about the Titans, obviously, and what they did last year. But 
When you look at this offense on paper, uh, number one, one of the things that Phil Rivers struggled with was having to throw the ball in .3 seconds because the offensive line was so bad in Los Angeles. It feels like it's so much better now. We know he had playmakers around him in Los Angeles. But uh, let me ask you quickly, how important do you think the additions of, of Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor are the two second-round picks in terms of what that means not only for, for Phillip Rivers, who has a huge target in, in Michael Pittman. Some people have sort of compared to Mike Evans um, and, and also Jonathan Taylor helping that running game. I really like those picks. They weren't the picks maybe that I was predicting. I thought Pittman, we knew Pittman was on the radar and we, you know, we knew that wide receiver was, was clearly, you know, one of their, their biggest needs. I didn't see Jonathan Taylor coming. I will be the first to admit that that one stunned me, but the more I have sort of had a chance to let this digest. I like those two picks. Look, they are, they did a couple of things. They did number one, they addressed a huge need at wide receiver. That was one of their biggest problems last year. I mean, they got a ton of injuries at the position, but they also needed more juice there. Michael Pittman gives you that. He's a pro-ready prospect. I don't know how what his numbers will be this year, but I know he'll be able to contribute. And the Colts can confidently say that. And then, on the other hand, they had at, at running back, you had a really strong position where you had a thousand-yard rusher in Marlon Mack, uh, a really well-rounded and productive running game. And what did they do? They doubled down, and they went and got a big-time running back, a two-thousand-yard guy from the University of Wisconsin. So, I, I really think that you know you can do a couple of things. You can you you can approach your off-season by you know making your strengths stronger, and you can also you know solidify your weaknesses. Those two picks enabled them to do both. And, you know, we'll see. It's all, you know, sort of hypothetical right now, but I think you're talking about two pro-ready prospects, a lot of college experience, maybe a lot of mileage in the case of Jonathan Taylor, but but definitely someone who won't have to carry the entire load. Marlon Mack's still here. We'll see if he gets re-signed, but he's, for now, he's here and, and will be here for 2020. So I think they have injected a lot of juice into their – into their offense, and Philip Rivers will have at his disposal a lot of things that Jacoby Brissett did not last season, including healthy wide receivers that they already had on the roster. So I think this offense, I agree with you, I think this offense positions them to really play with anybody in this division and anybody, for the most part, in the AFC outside of you know Baltimore and Kansas City, I think being the elites, I think anybody, I think this this team can play with anybody in the AFC. Whether they get there, we'll see. But but certainly, I would consider them a threat to everyone in the AFC. I'm with you on that. I do wonder. I mentioned DeForest Buckner a few minutes ago. Did signing Phil Rivers overshadow that trade for the 13th overall pick? We know Javon Kinlaw was maybe in the conversation until the trade happened. And what does DeForest Buckner Buckner bring to this defense that has had flashes of being really good? They've gotten younger. They had Darius Leonard a few years ago win defensive rookie of the year. They got um. Cornerback last year at a Temple uh, who had an up-and-down year but should be getting better. So what does Buckner bring to the middle of that defense? I think it's the missing piece, honestly. Look, last year the defense was okay. It wasn't as bad as the numbers in some places suggested, and then it wasn't as good in others in terms of you know what the numbers suggested. So I think they were kind of a middle-of-the-pack defense. But – I thought they were a defense that had the potential to be a lot more. And if you look at their first seven or eight games, they were a different team. And, and I think we saw we saw a couple of things. We saw the offensive struggles start to take their toll on the defense, and we saw some injuries on defense, particularly to, to Kenny Moore, who was just sort of a Swiss Army knife on their defense. And he missed the final five games. I think we just saw them start to fade. But really, 
what I saw was a defense that was trying to overcome the lack of pass rush. And when you have sort of a an inconsistent pass rush the way they did, they had Justin Houston get 11 sacks, and he did his part. But Kamoko Ture, who's an up-and-coming pass rusher, missed, uh, I believe, 14 games, excuse me, uh, 12 games. So that was a huge loss. You had uh, other guys who didn't develop maybe as much as they thought on a defensive line that, that they envisioned being pretty deep. And so I, I think when you add a player of Buckner's stature, I to- first of all, totally agree with you. It was absolutely overshadowed. It was one of the biggest moves in the NFL this offseason. But no one's talking about it because he plays defensive tackle, right? I get it. But in this scheme that they play, the Colts have always, always said, the three technique defensive tackle is what is going to really drive this. And I think you can go back to the words of Bill Polian, who has always, and, and everybody, to, to Tony Dungy and, and so forth, who have always talked about uh, this defense, the style of defense, the scheme that they play. If you can generate interior pressure, it changes everything. So they've been talking for a very long time about getting some consistency at that position. And so what they do, they went out and they got an all-pro. So it's better than anything you were going to get in the draft this year, for sure. Uh, certainly, at least now, there may be guys in the draft who develop, but but you weren't going to find a ready-made prospect like that. The Colts also were in a very healthy salary cap situation. So financially, this wasn't really uh, strenuous for them. So they, they really were in position to to make a deal to really strengthen their team, and I think it's going to boost this defense. I, I like what they have. Uh, in other parts of this defense, but you can't overcome the lack of that pass rush. And Buckner changes the game. I'm with you. I, I love what they did in the entirety of the offseason, free agency and the draft as well. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Stephen Holder talking Colts 2020. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, Stephen, we talked about uh, Phil Rivers, talked about DeForest Buckner a little bit and what that offense looks like. Um, for you, in your mind, as we head into hopefully training camp and, and get the football season going, what are the – What's the primary position battle to watch? Maybe one or two if you have some. Oh, there's an interesting one, I think, on defense uh, at middle linebackers. So Anthony Walker, who was the leading tackler on this team last year, uh, he's going to be pushed, quite frankly, uh, by a youngster named Bobby Okiriki, a second-year player out of Stanford. He was a guy who who played some of the uh, strong side linebacker last season. Obviously, in today's NFL uh, in a 4-3 in a style defense, you're playing the nickel so much that third linebacker just doesn't play a whole lot of snaps. So uh, they were platooning him and trying to get him on the field. I don't think it's going to be an either-or situation this year. I, I don't think one guy will play and one guy will sit necessarily. But, you know, we'll have to see how the snaps even out. They're both, I think, very productive players. Okiriki has sort of this splash potential, though. That, that I think Walker Walker does have that, but not at the level I think that Okiriki does. And so what Walker brings to the table is just tremendous leadership, uh, a really cerebral approach, uh, understands everything that's happening out there. Uh, but, of course, Okiriki went to Stanford. He's no slouch either. So I think <laughs> you're talking about Northwestern versus Stanford. 
uh, two tackle machines, big play guys. I think it, it's a position of strength. It, I think linebacker could be the best position on this team, uh, with the exception of maybe the offensive line, which is obviously quite good. So uh, outside of that, I think the other there's a couple other things I'll mention. Uh, cornerback is interesting only because they brought in Xavier Rhodes, and I'm just dying to know what Xavier Rhodes even looks like now. All right, so so can he sort of push his way back and, and become or recapture what he had a few years ago as an all-pro. And then on offense, uh, wide receiver is interesting. They have, on paper, some depth. And we'll see how it all shakes out and, and who plays where. T.Y. Hilton's still the number one, but Paris Campbell, a name to remember, uh, injured a lot last season. If he stays healthy, I think they have plans for him. But then, you know, as we mentioned, Michael Pittman is ready to roll. He's a guy who can really contribute right away. So, and there are others that, that I didn't mention as well. So I think that has the potential to be a deep position, and those guys will have to kind of earn their snaps. It's funny you mentioned those guys' names. I cover the NFL draft for CBS as well. And I remember watching Bobby Okariki at Stanford and being very frustrated by the way he played, but he was so athletic, had such long arms. Yeah. And it just goes to show that you have to give these kids time sometimes. It's not going to happen overnight. And uh, Paris Campbell, when he came at Ohio State, no one was talking about Terry McLaurin. Terry Warren stayed healthy, had a huge year last year. Paris Campbell is a is a burner, but he has to stay healthy, to, to your point. So I, I think those are some some great names that you mentioned, some interesting interesting things to watch. I wanted to ask you quickly uh, about Frank Reich and, and you know, the, the, the Colts release during the draft season, I think they did it last year as well, sort of the behind-the-scenes look at how, how the, the, the scouting staff and the front office and the coaching staff come together. And, and it's clear that Frank Reich plays a huge part in that. In, in your opinion, um, was Frank Reich, do well? Are there any things that he needs to work on? And it seems to me on the outside looking in that this team buys into what Frank Wright and Chris Ballard are selling. Is that the perception you have as well? Uh, well, I'll start with the second part first. Yeah, there's no question. I think it's perhaps his best quality, I think, is he has a unique brand of leadership. And, you know, the Colts fans locally who follow my coverage, they know that he's got this this background in the ministry. He was actually a pastor in the Presbyterian Church, which has nothing to do with football. But I actually found a connection there. You know, I think just the the ability to listen and to be gracious and to to relate to people, that stuff matters. And I think that is what separates uh, coaches who struggle in those areas with coaches who who get it and who know how how to get the most out of their players because they understand their players. Uh, I, I think there's lots more to the job, clearly, but but that's part of it. So I just think, you know, we talk about emotional intelligence, and, and I think that's a real thing. And I think it's not something you can necessarily pinpoint in a job interview. Right. But when the guy has it, it shows up, and his players will tell you they see it. And so uh, I just see just a consistent uh, respect for him across the locker room and it's so rare you get that in a, a locker room with 53 guys where they're all, for the most part, as far as I can tell, uh, buying into what the coach is selling. That doesn't happen very often. And even if the guys don't say it out loud, uh, you, you can sense it sometimes. And I have never sensed anything to the contrary here under Frank Wright. So that says something. And, and in terms of, you know, just his best quality as a coach, what I do think is interesting with him is that, he does have this sort of approach. He's talked about this this offseason where we'll do what we have to do to win. And, you know, he's an offensive coach. He doesn't really deal with the defense. But offensively, at least, you know, they have had games. I've documented this recently. They've had games where Andrew Luck may have thrown the ball 18 times 
or I think it was maybe this last season, I went back to 2018, Andrew Luck had a game. I think he threw it as few as 22 times one game, uh, I believe against Dallas. He had another game. He threw the ball 62 times. And so that that obviously tells you something about the score and how the game went maybe, but it also tells you that they they have a very versatile approach. And, and, and I also think that the aggressiveness that Frank Reich plays with, I mean, he's, he's one of the – coaches who's most likely to go for it on fourth down. Uh, he listens to the analytics, very open-minded approach. So I, I think he's just he's just willing to do what you have to do to win. Doesn't always work. Last year was, you know, rough at times. But, but certainly, you know, given the right situation, that stuff does pay off. So, uh, and that goes to the, coach, the, the team having confidence in him too. They love the aggressiveness. The players, they'll play for you when they feel like, you know, you're going to give them a chance. So uh, I think all that – goes into a big pot that makes Frank Reich what he's been as head coach here. And that feels, that seems to be the perception on the outside looking in too. There doesn't seem to be any animosity. And I do wonder what would have happened if Josh McDaniel hadn't turned that job down at the last minute and what things will look like now. Cause I think, uh, I think it's hard to argue that Frank Reich isn't the right guy for this job. So um, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, so let's look quickly at, at what Vegas thinks about um, the Colts and the AFC South they, they, they have the Colts pegged to win nine games. Um, that's actually an interesting number. They happen to be, the, they have them as the favorites to win the division as well. And they have the fifth best odds to win the AFC. So in your mind, what, what's like the ceiling or, or the floor for their win totals? And what would be perhaps in, in the eyes of fans around Indianapolis, what would be a successful season for what looks like a brand new Colts team with Phillip Rivers? So I would say the, 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 the floor, I guess, would be, I mean, look, they won seven games last season when I don't think they were that good, just to be completely honest. Well, at least in terms of factoring in all the injuries and, and everything that happened, quarterback retiring literally two weeks before the season, right? So uh, the fact that you didn't have a complete train wreck is probably commendable. So so they were seven and nine under the absolute worst circumstances you can imagine and and probably had a couple of games where they didn't really have a good excuse to lose. So – you know, I'm not going to necessarily ignore the one-score wins that they had as well, the, the close wins. I mean, you can't ignore that. But I think they are a much better team this season, uh, at least starting out, out of the gate. I think they need to win. They need to be talking about nine wins as their floor, to be honest. Because if you want to win the division, you can't do it if you're, if you're winning – or excuse me, if you're going eight and eight. This division's too good. Houston's going to be there. Tennessee's going to be there. And you're going to have to bring your hard hat, too, because, I mean, you're talking about Jacksonville being a physical team, uh, Tennessee being very physical, Houston explosiveness. So, anyway, nine wins, it, it puts you in the conversation. I don't think it wins the division, but it puts you in the conversation. So that should be the floor. You know, can they get to 11 wins? Yeah, they can. Uh, will they? That depends. We talked about a lot of hypotheticals today. They have to turn those hypotheticals into realities, and, and we'll have to see how that goes. But they have – a lot of potential, I think, on the plus side, whether they tap into it is up to them. Uh, in terms of what the expectations here are, I think you're talking about being the division race and try to win this division. I'll give them this. Look, they're, certainly they're not afraid of those teams, and they've played Houston and Tennessee very well. They beat them both last season, and, well, they they should have beaten uh should have beaten Houston on the road as well late in the season. That was kind of when it started to go all south there. But um, 
you know, look, they they will they know how to beat those teams. Uh, they know each other very well. I don't think the Colts are intimidated by anybody, nor should they be. So I think the Colts are going to be in this thing, and I think they have a very good chance to win the division if everything goes well. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, Steven, thank you so much for your time. It, it was great talking to you. I hadn't met you before. This was a great talk. You can find Steven's work at The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Holder Steven. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. This is fun. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.